goodest of good days, cats and kittens, and a somewhat apologetic and hangdog, uh, just a figure of speech, Arkham. Don't don't freak out. Don't look at me like that. Yes, I uh, yeah, I expect it is a somewhat problematic figure of speech for you, but uh, well, I'm not responsible for the limitations of the English language, am I? Well, oh, dash it all. I've lost what passes for my train of thought now. So, goodest of good days, cats and kittens, and an apologetic and shame-faced welcome to this, the only discontent provider offering of the week. Truth be told, podcast pals, we've had something of a rough few days all in all. Quite aside from some costly and intensely time-consuming infrastructural troubles, the incessant pissing down of rain here in the wilds of the rural West Midlands has curtailed our jolly jaunts more than somewhat. My associate here, though as doughty and as noble a soul as one might hope ever to encounter in this vale of tears and treachery, is a touch on the dainty side in his ways and has little to no truck with precipitation or mud, and moderate flooding has rendered our sylvan sanctuary all but inaccessible for a while. We're here now though, full of more or less righteous bile and spiteful style, and just in time to bring the week to an end with the inevitable song. We're also, I might add, in reasonably bobbish form too, considering the vicissitudes of a vindictive fate. It's rare that we heap praise upon our current government, but I have to own up today and say that our pint-sized PM's announcement that plans are in train to prevent the under-16s from using social media has eased the pressure on podcasters like ourselves no end. As you're doubtless noticed, our aim has always been to capture a strong youth demographic. But it's been, I'm bound to say, fucking exhausting. It will be nice not to have to wear my topper backwards for a start. And uh, Arkham, you can finally take off those ridiculous sunglasses. I certainly won't miss lugging a straight-back chair out here, so I can sit on it backwards in order to look cool and informal either. There, there was also, in all candour, a tentative scheme in mind to assay a couple of uh, acoustic, folky rap or grime songs at the end, so it's frightfully nice to know that that abominable horror will now be banished, unborn, into the outer darkness from whence it came. Even if my rudimentary guitar skills had been up to it, I don't mind telling you that the notion of beginning a track with the fell words We're Foxy and Arkham and we're here to say fair chilled the blood more thoroughly than any December gale could do. Of course, Sunak and his crew's ostensible concern for the online safety of the kids is not, when one subjects it to the old gimlet gaze, as absolute and unconditional as it first appears to be. Today has seen campaigning parents outraged, and rightly outraged, by what appears to be a fairly sickening and spineless act of compromise in the government's effort to ameliorate some of the horrors that can await the wee ones from the moment they first log into the mephetic cyber sewer that is social media. The crusading group in question, the Brothers for Online Safety, have condemned the government for watering down legislation for which they have been quite understandably pushing. Their uh, hope was, and indeed uh, it seems they were assured that such would be the case, uh, that in cases where a child or young person's death could be linked to harmful contact upon the internet, the companies that run the, the TikTok, Instagram, WhatsApp and the like, presumably that applies to Facebook and Twitter too, though few young'uns venture onto those barren and dotard-ridden shores, uh, they would be legally obliged to share information about their online doings with coroners. 
Yesterday, however, it was announced that this would only be the case wherein youngsters had taken their own lives and would not extend to those wherein they were groomed and murdered. Small wonder that these families stated that they were, quote, devastated and bewildered, unquote, by this despicable development, particularly as they had, as I said, attended a House of Lords session during the summer to see a minister took their wishes into account and had, as I understand it, made sure that they would be enshrined in law. The Minister for Science, Innovation and Technology, Michelle Monolan, uh, speaking on behalf of the government, said that she took the government's past commitments incredibly seriously, but she thought that the current proposals achieved their aims. She also added that she was anxious to meet the parents in order to get things right. Now, it's not for me to doubt the word of a lady. I'm too chivalrous, I'm too old school. But fortunately, said lady's voluntary involvement with an increasingly degenerate and toxic to the point of being a uranium suppository political scene rather frees me up. For a kick-off, I'd suggest that anxious is not exactly the mot juste in this instance. As you know, I rarely wax autobiographical during these sessions, preferring to maintain a certain dazzling and mysterious glamour for the most part, but I think I'm safe in revealing to you, trustworthy cats and kittens that you are, that I've never wantonly urinated into the face of another person. But if I had done, I doubt that I'd be all eagerness regarding any future get-togethers with them. More, more distasteful than this is the sheer effrontery of claiming that the laws being suggested address the concerns of bereaved parents when they clearly do no such thing. That is, even for a politician, pretty staggering, eh what? One would have to be a pretty grisly and petty-fogging fuckstump to establish a hierarchy of grief, but by establishing a legal distinction between victims of suicide and victims of murder, it would appear that the government is doing just that, and are pretty much telling grieving families of the latter group to sod off and stop making such an unbecoming fuss about the whole business. Even viewed with the sort of cold, detached pragmatism that is only possible when one hasn't lost a child, this legislation, as it is currently envisioned, doesn't make sense. I'm not a homicidal psychopath myself, nor am I in any way a qualified psychologist, but I'd hazard a guess that grooming and murdering can be, to use a seasonal metaphor, every bit as moorish as mince pies and pigs in blankets. So if some online weirdo has done it once, it's unlikely that they'll just quietly tick it off their bucket list and go on to something more innocuous, like visiting the Great Pyramid at Giza or seeing Shakespeare performed at the Globe Theatre. No, they'll be searching the social media platforms for more victims, taking and destroying more lives at the whim of whatever monstrous malformation of the psyche it is that drives them. That being the case then, the idea that the authorities can have too much information on their interaction with their victims is a frank absurdity, and for a minister of the crown to even suggest otherwise is raw and filthy genital discharge of the most appalling and malodorous kind, especially when it's hard to see any other reason for that decision that beyond appeasing the tax-dodging technocrats that are so fond of scooping up XMPs and whisking them off to juicy sinecures. Not quite as stomach-churning from an ethical standpoint, but every bit as bare-faced in disingenuousness, was Kemi Badenoch's condemnation of a paper recently published in Bioarchaeology International, another page-turner I rarely get around to reading, alas, uh, that uh, studied the remains of Londoners from the time of the first major outbreak of plague in the 14th century. 
By examining skull samples and cross-matching with a forensic database, the study uh, suggested, cautiously, given the very small sample group with which they were working, that people of African descent were more likely to have died of the plague than their European coevals. It then drew an again cautious parallel to the ratio of white to BAME fatalities during our more recent pandemic, citing structural racism as a possible factor. From what I can gather, it in no way represented a direct accusation of any individual or the professional body, as, let's face it, 14th century medicine was hardly in a position to analyse or even theorise that some genetic types might respond differently to various pathogens. Nor did the study set itself up as a clarion call against health inequality. Rather, it seemed to suggest that a problem may exist, and that if there were, and still are, inequalities in health outcomes, that might be something into which those in the know might wish to look and learn from. Such distinctions seem to be lost on Philip Hollowborn, MP, who urged Miss Badenoch to speak out about, direct quote, woke archaeology. Nothing loath, the Minister for Equality and Business Secretary said, I agree with my dear friend that this type of research is damaging to trust, social cohesion and even trust in health services. I have written to the Director of the Museum of London to express my concerns. She also rather scornfully suggested that the study's findings were based upon phrenology, the uh, lost art of divination through headbump fondly, which struck me as utter and deliberate rot. I mean to say, simply because skulls were involved, she appeared to have deliberately overlooked the more complex science, simply in order to discredit something she perceived as being woke by accusing them of discredited pseudoscientific methodology, an untruth as palpable as it is ironic, given that there are a number of caliper-clutching crackpots in the outer lunatic fringes of the unwoke who still do set a certain store by that branch of study. I don't know, perhaps I'm getting old, I am. But I recall with a certain melancholy nostalgia now when these shitfuckers used to put a bit of effort into their mendacity, don't you? They'd use figures that were seasonally adjusted or employ little euphemes like in real terms. But now, well, if one wishes to see where the current taste for truthlessness leads, one only has to look at Vladimir Putin standing before the cream of Russia's and the world's media and assuring them with a perfectly straight face that not only was the war in Ukraine going terribly, terribly well, but that the Russian people were all uniformly super into it. How long will it be before a UK-serving Prime Minister is discovered, naked from the waist down, holding a smoking gun, standing over a fresh bullet-riddled corpse, and blandly assuring an unquestioning journalist that, uh, well, he was hit by a speeding car. I'm holding the gun because I was trying to shoot out its tyres in order to bring the driver to justice, and what's more, I absolutely didn't do a big poo in the chap's mouth. Well, I don't think... We'll see that next year, you know, podcast pals. But I can't honestly say that I'd wager more than a handful of coppers on it not happening before 2024 is out. And upon that spot of mystic meggery, Arkham and I will take our leave of you. Uh, Should you have enjoyed this and feel that others might do so as well, don't forget to subscribe to, like and share this intermittent extravaganza of basic audio competence uh, with giddy reckless abandon. Also, feel free to give us a shout at discontentprovider at gmx.co.uk or 
at Foxy and Arkham on the Twixter. As ever, we close with a song, and as your fingers and toes begin twitching in anticipation of the rhythmic delights to come, from myself, the Silver Fox, and Arkham, the Black and White Dog, cheerio. At the dispatch box or the podium, I stare into the camera's eye. Then I take a cleansing breath just before I vomit for the tsunami of light. The truth or even curated facts are pretty much things of the past. I'll commit perjury with impunity as befits the ruling class. Rwanda is perfectly safe as we said, so it's like a Butlin's holiday camp. And since we privatise the Royal Mail, a five or five pounds for a stamp. I can tell you what I like, cause you're too thick to check in There's nothing you could do if you did The economy is doing great as we wreck it And I'll claim that only Asians for kids Black is white, if I say so well I will not be challenged If you argue you're incurably woke Those above you shouldn't be blamed for society's damage As we turn the world into a sick joke Dull fraud costs more than both the Parliament's houses as we rake in the expenses and perks. And if you can't afford to buy a new pair of trousers, cause somebody does cash in Antwerp. Palestine civilians love being bombed, they know it's for the greater good. No one wants a ceasefire or a two-state illusion, if we wouldn't vote for that if we could. The environment is splendid, we're miles ahead of our net zero goals. And if there's money to be paid, it'll come pockets as our pal stuff cash in their holes. And it's oh so nice to forget our day values like honour Year on year we've all allowed ourselves to become a little bit more meretricious So what was once just expedient has become unashamedly vicious You know and I know I'm full of crap as I spew fudge figures and pile But you've all fallen into a well-laid trap visible from 500 miles We've got most of the papers on our side, most broadcast media too So where you gonna go to get the facts, and even if you get them, fuck you